It's actually been a while since a podcast anything. Me and Luke took a bit of a hiatus on our podcast. We're going to start up again soon, but job stuff. Yeah. But. I, I get that. You know the rules. Yeah. No blasphemy. Cool. We'll get. We'll crack on that then. If, if that's good for you. Oh, fine by me. Absolutely. Magic. Um, so yeah, welcome back then. Welcome to the Yellow Concrete Podcast again. It's been a while. I was trying to work out how long it was. It's over a year. Yeah, because it was. Uh, you were. I think you were literally like the third or second or third mm. person I had. Yeah. yeah. Come do. There are a few technical issues. I think with the video. Yeah, the video didn't record last time we were doing that. So double check that that's recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the video didn't record, and then we had the audio, so that worked. Uh, but yeah, you were... You, you, Potentially two years ago. It can't be two years, can it? I honestly don't remember. I don't know, this is like episode 50 or 60, 68 or something, or maybe something stupid like that. Weekly? Yeah. It's, it's been so over a year. Okay, yeah, that's just, fine. Just over a year. That makes me feel better and about I take a hiatus. <laughs> There's always a hiatus in December. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I can only remember one Christmas since then. Is that because of alcohol? Like no, just in general. <laughs> just <laughs> I don't drink at Christmas. <laughs> Why not? That's the rule. Uh, yeah, but I usually end up driving everywhere. Fair. My Christmas is like now. Well, now my Christmas because I don't drive is like oh, you get in the car and go pick up your brother because mm. he doesn't drive and lives in Nottingham. And yeah, yeah. My yeah. parents are in Scunthorpe, so so wow. I go there and then it's like cool, visit Grand as so well. The triangle of and just drive around. So it's like unless I'm sleeping over, I don't really drink over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. until I get home. And then New Year's was a wreck last year. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I've got uh, my son's going to be four um, very, very soon. Yeah. So that kind of wipes out a lot of my excuse for drinking because you cannot parent and hangover. In oh. my experience, I mean, I wouldn't difficult. want to parent with hangover. It's hard enough dealing with regular people. Yeah, dealing yeah. with like a toddler. Kids don't give a crap. No, they'll they'll just <laughs> they'll climb and they'll demand. They don't care that you're suffering. It's it's not their fault. To be fair, so. I don't blame him, but now I, I can't handle that. Unless you get your kids drunk, and then they can hang over with you. There is that, and they could that be work wonderfully. Yeah, I don't condone that. Cold medicine works well. Cold medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Cowpaw. How do you incapacitate your children? <laughs> you uh, generally, that will just get them running outside for a long time. Take them to a park, and then they tire themselves out. I mean, how old are you now? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. I mean, I'm almost thirty now. 29 this year yeah yeah you're a december baby right november oh so close yeah. i mean there's only two months left so i was very careful yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like I'm, I'm 29 this year and then I'm, I'm 30 next year but like 30 never bothers me like a lot of people see it as like a barrier hmm. of, of like they've got to do something before they're 30 yeah, yeah or as i look at 30 and i'm like because i i'm so focused on art stuff i'm like most artists don't make it until they're like 50 you were years ahead. So I'm, I always look at it as like, if I get to 40 and I'm still exactly the same as I am now, then I need that's to worry. But if I've yeah. progressed a bit by the time I'm 40, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's fine. I've still got another it's, 10 years. It's just progression. <laughs> I think we actually said that last time was like, it's all about progression. So as long yeah. as you know you're moving forward, yeah. your next marks, it's completely up to you what you want to yeah. go for. What did we talk about? Last time we spoke, mainly writing, didn't we? Yeah, I think... Just kind of. I mean, what have you been doing? Now? You've been. It's been a year. 
lots. Like you like you've been on like Amazon's bestseller list. Yeah, yeah. That's madness. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the the series is the age of madness. So um yeah, it's been a busy year. So I um on a personal note I put uh my goal for this year um at the beginning of the resolution was just to get out of debt because I wasn't I'm That's not fair. I've never been in a position to be in loads but yeah. been at a point where um because of having a child fairly young and kind of working my way up in in my job as well it's been quite breadline so it's been a case of trying to just get out of that and I got very very lucky last year and actually um brought uh, a guy onto my podcast who's an American author um called Michael Andley who is doing this whole collaboration thing with what he calls the Catherian Gambit universe mm-hmm. and it's essentially it mainstreams with a 21 book series about a vampire um and her sort of journey to domination it's just it's a very like kick-ass pulp fiction type series yeah um but there's an absolute huge following for it and he came to the podcast and i spoke to him because he started branching out bringing other authors into it and doing different spin-offs and yeah. um they were doing massively well and then i'll just pop a question on the off chance afterwards literally um we closed the chat on skype and then a couple of hours after i just put a message and went by the way i'm just going to put this out there if you don't ask you don't get um, if you're interested in collaborating anything horror, let me know because that's kind of my bag. Yeah. And um, because I've collaborated on other stuff as well with Hawk and Cleaver and the books I've been doing, yep. he at the time said, not right now, but in a couple of months, potentially. And I thought nothing of it. And then lo and behold, September last year, he calls me up from his like 17th, no, like 27th floor flat in Vegas to say that there's a space and he wants me in. And kind of just started me writing on this book series. So that's been going ahead. Um, it's badass. Yeah, it, he kind of works on a quick release model as well. So it's a case of over that time I've written the three novels that were released through August and September. Yeah. Um, and because they've got his name attached to them, because there's a big fan base as well. And yep. I like to think some, some of it's because the writing's okay. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like... The primary how it works is I'll write the books. He'll kind of read through, vet yep. check he's happy for his audience, and then they just ship. Um, but yeah, they they've well, two out of the three went to sort of bestseller, and they've all hit like the top five hundred of Amazon. So yeah, that's it's crazy madness. But it's, it's yeah. great to see though. Like I like to see like because I've had a couple of friends who've like done things and I've been doing things for ages. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they've just had one thing which has just gone and gone. It's just like, oh, it's just gone quite a bit ago, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And it's always, always nice to see. It's yeah, like yeah. that payoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um it's been it's been a strange journey because I think um personally as like as the artist I wanna be, I wanna I wanna write a lot of the darker stuff. And like I say, this is quite pulp. Yeah. Um but in order to I've kind I'm kind of like playing the long game in terms of like upping my name a bit. Obviously I'm enjoying the books as well and I think that what I'm putting out there is good and he seems to be enjoying it as well, which is good. Um, but I think longer term, I want to write sort of some of the darker, more, um, yeah. Yeah. The well, more I mean, actual horror stuff. Where you than... start. Like, yeah, yeah. Cause that's like other stories and everything. Yeah. yeah. And Cleaver, exactly. Is, yeah. Still, still all ongoing. I'm assuming still. Yeah. Yeah. I 2 million the, downloads this year. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, again that's another thing like kind of every so often I get the update of that and I'm just like oh damn you're getting so many freaking downloads yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane we're uh, we're actually launching our um, first proper Halloween week as well um, I don't because you're in you're in the chats I don't know if you see much of it anymore I have I've been Dip, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest I, I broke my computer 
Oh, okay. <laughs> um, in fact, you know about Brentwood Computer because that's when I stopped doing course, illustrations yeah, yeah. for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Brentwood Computer, and then after that, I've not put the program back on my computer, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I haven't been in any chats. There'll be a lot all. of things, yeah. and because it's on the free version of, of yeah. Slack, it'll be like some of them yeah. delete after a while anyway. But um, yeah, we're, we're we're doing our first official Halloween week because last year we got—I'd say we got lucky. I mean, we've we've been in the top. 10 of the literature and arts charts pretty much since that podcast has been running which has yeah. been amazing um and we got lucky last year that it kind of got picked up by a couple of like blogs and boosted up around halloween and because obviously at halloween everyone looks for scary stories anyway yeah. Yeah. um we got pushed up a bit further in the big in the main charts but this year we're actually making active push to drive that more so over the week of halloween the first six days we're just curating some of our older darker episodes into a release a day yep. with sort of um carl's doing a couple of refamped effects and bits and pieces to it and then on actual halloween um again through my other non-fiction podcast that we ran i met a, a horror author there and we've managed to get him to write the exclusive it's not exclusive right bring an episode to halloween itself um so he do you know much about um the bram stoker award or like it's about I know bits about it, yeah. but we'll discuss so, it. Tell so me about it's it. It's like the accolade for horror authors. So if right. you're a horror author, it's like you want a Bram Stoker award. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he won one of those in 2011, and we'll be bringing a story to. That's cool. So, so there's lots going on. Um, there's always lots going on. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's just like you get to a point, and I think it's kind of um, a suffrage you almost get. As you're constantly rolling forward, you almost forget the steps that you've taken and what. Like you yeah. just get used to to, to see doing it where you are yeah. so sometimes it's important to take that step back and appreciate yeah I got there. thinking about this the other day it was actually what I was going to I think I'm going to discuss in my next like solo podcast because mm. it's, there's that annoying line which people use where they're like don't compare yourself to anyone else <laughs> and I'm like if you never compare yourself yeah. how do you know how well you're doing and whilst I'm like, I'm sat there going, yeah, on a some level, you shouldn't, you know, go, oh, well, they're doing so well, I must be doing shit. Yeah. yeah there yeah. is that step of like going, oh, well, you know, I kind of, I should have a, a benchmark mm. of where I want to be. So then I've at least got something to aim for. Yeah. And it's, it's that. Um, Do you set goals? You what? Do you set goals? Uh, see, this is, this is the problem. <laughs> I, have, I have running goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The the running joke is that I, uh, I I do lots of projects and I never finish projects. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd never see anything that's finished. Hmm. So like Potato Boy, like which is, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm loving that right? by the way. Potato Boy has been going since Null Point's been going, hmm. and I basically just do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. The goal for it is like a book, hmm. but that's not the goal. You don't know what the <laughs> there's goal no is. there's no end point. To yeah, it. yeah. And the same with like Null Point, like, I have no I have literally no end point for it. Mm. And most of my projects, I don't. I don't have a, a point where I'd be like, "Yeah, be, yeah that's that's where I could finish." Like, but is that a problem for you? That's not a problem for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a problem for other people. Because well, that's like, the part where you go, "Fuck them." Yeah, <laughs> that, that is a, kind of the thing. Because I'm always like, "Oh, I'm taking on this project. Or, yeah, yeah. I've started something new," and they're like, "But you haven't finished the other project." And it's like, "But well, that doesn't matter. Mm. None of that matters." No, it's, it's like it's, I'm just it, doing something else. Yeah, yeah. alongside everything else, mm. it's, it's more like a stack. It's what you want from it. It's, yeah. Because it, even with um, it's with the books I'm currently writing, like I'm trying to work on book four. How many of books this are you series. writing? Um, at the minute, I'm I'm being good. I'm, You're being good. I'm sticking to. I've got ideas, and I've got. Last time we talked, you were you were trying to bog yourself down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
well, I kind of have to be a bit more strict now because um, I've kind of stepped up at work as well. Right. And obviously the older a kid gets, the more demanding they get. So I'm trying to like just juggle things. But <clears throat> at the minute I'm focusing purely on this series with this guy um, with the end point of either being eight or 12 books. Right. So once they're wrapped up, I'll be kind of happy. But I've got, I mean, I've already like source book covers for other ideas I've already got in my head that are ready to go and other bits and pieces. I'm just trying to be disciplined but um i think i one thing that i've kind of learned in the last year was writing these books so writing for example book three probably took about a month to write mm-hmm. um i took days off work and i kind of just went in with the process and just because i'd written book one and two i was going yep. with the flow i know where i was going book one was really difficult to get into and i know that it's because because at its, at its core it's not the book i would write yeah. I'm being sensible. Yes. Um, which kind of feeds in a little bit to kind of what you're saying. It's about what you want. So I know that after I've wrapped up this series, I know that I want to take more time with the projects I'm working on. And I think end goal wise, I don't, I've been trying to work out if I wanted to like take it to full time. Right. If the opportunity presented itself, like yeah. if the series did that well, that I'd be able to, to support it. myself. Would I go full time? And I don't know if I would, I'm trying to like battle with that at the minute. Yeah. Because, I've I've ran my own business for two years and I sat at home editing for two years. Yep. And that's that's quite lonely to do. Um whereas the job I'm in at the minute is sort of marketing and it's around lots of people and I like being around people, so I don't yep. know what that balance would be. But again, working on um book four at the minute has been slower progress because I've kind of I wore myself out with those three. Yeah. And now it's trying to get the engine started again to carry on with book four. And it's again just remembering what the fuel is for going forward do you find because this is the thing which i find with like a lot of artists or at least i do i think i had um liz on podcast and we discussed basically the 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 need for success in art or anything creative is you got to be partially organized (laughs) and and partially creative you can't be completely one or the other otherwise you'll you'll fail like you can be organized as hell but you'll never make anything yeah yeah, yeah. and you can be creative as hell but you'll die (laughs) (laughs) and we were both kind of sat there going yeah i don't know like i love the idea of doing art full time Mm. and not having any other job but i honestly don't know if i'd live Mm. because i would just throw myself into it like with like projects and stuff yeah it would be literally wake up every day i can do anything i want yeah and it will make money Therefore, I will do anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different experience as well, knowing that your food, your heating, your yeah. housing, everything depends on it. I mean, do you I find uh, that when you make, like, when you write, though, do you just get lost in it? Oh yeah, in the ideas of it. Oh like, yeah, if um, I think that's kind of the moment because I know there's uh, a lot about resistance, and I know um, if anyone. If any artists do struggle with like just getting stuff done, I highly recommend. Have you read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art? I it's literally on my Amazon wish list. Read it. And it's I'm not too big to a read it. <laughs> yeah. Um I'll buy it for you. It's obviously fantastic. And it's I've read it twice this year, once um just after Christmas and once around June. Yeah. And it's literally just a book about kind of artists and how they find excuses and like the myth of writer's block, whether you apply that to painting or, or yeah. writing or whatever. Um, with kind of it's very short chapters but it sort of comes up with reasons like if you're working your day job and there's a task that you get given that you don't want to do do you ever sit there and go sorry I've got work block you don't because you have other people putting that pressure on you yeah resistance is just a battle with your own self-discipline so it's like 
in those moments where you've got three hours free yep. and you're sat watching Netflix thinking, I could probably do my project. It's that kind of, yeah. it helps you overcome that hurdle. And it is quite, it gets a little bit um, bogged down in Christianity in the last sort of quarter of it. Okay. Um, That's it unexpected. Talk, yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it talks a bit more about <laughs> like supporting angels and the muse and, and okay. whatnot. But um, the, the, putting that aside, the rest of the messaging's yep. like fantastic. Um, but yeah, I've already forgotten what the question was. <laughs> I mean, that, that was kind of the point in a way. Yeah. Getting lost in the the creative idea. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, literally like a perfect example. Um, so, do but, you do that? Or? No, no, I don't. <laughs> do but no, yeah, I, I think for me, I know that if I have times where I'm like, I don't know if I've got the energy to write whatever, I'll, yeah. I'll sit there and just be like, just write 500 words because I know I can write 500 words in like five. 10 minutes if I like yeah. maybe a bit longer 10-15 minutes and before you know it you've written sort of a thousand fifteen hundred words and the yeah. time's just flown and you've kind of been like crap where's that gone um, which I, I have mixed feelings about that because yeah. I love I love the catharsis of just being in that moment and just going okay stuff is happening mm-hmm. but I hate it's almost like when you wake up from a really bad night of drinking and you're suddenly like that time is just gone something happened and now you're in it's like, it's like you time travelled. I do get that. Like, see, I have a thing of where I'm a kind of a glutton for punishment, as, as we discussed earlier when we were on about me going cold turkey from coffee. <laughs> um, obviously not now. No, obviously not now. We're, we're past those moments. It's, it's your um, where I, I, I don't feel like I achieved achieved if I didn't suffer. Mm. So if I, if I'm able to do something and it's easy, and it has been easy, then I get to the end of it. I'm like, oh, I didn't do anything. Mm. and that's my problem at the minute like I get a day off I spend the entire day drawing like I'm working on my calendar at the minute I'll spend a drawing writing planning all this kind of stuff I get to the end I didn't do anything today I did I spent all day working on projects but because it was easy and I was relaxed and I was just doing what I'm doing yeah yeah I'm like that was pointless I feel like pain is a form of progression yeah which is is for for someone is not a great Mm. mentality to have (laughs) yeah but it kind of makes sense i mean i am years back i used to teach parkour and free running and i um i became a coach and the reason i became a coach was because the guy who coached in lincoln um left and like i was kind of already doing stuff for him anyway but i kind Mm. of overtook him in lincoln and led that and a lot of people like it must be really cool being a parkour coach and that was like was just handed to me yeah, and then when I started editing and proofreading, my first clients were my um, ex's mum's clients because she's a self she's a self employed proofreader, right? Um, and copy editor, and she gave me my first lot of like contact into clients. And even then, I was like, I'm doing this work, and I'm like, but I was given it. Yeah. So a lot of what I've kind of tried to do then is like, no, I want to do this. And I think that's part of why um, I went into more of the writing stuff because I'm like, a lot more of this depends on solely me and my yeah. work. Yeah. So I know that bar the collaborations with Michael, which obviously is a bit of a, a step and I, I can't thank him enough for it. It's like a fantastic opportunity, but yeah. even that's a bit of a, here you go. It's a very hard thing I find for creatives to accept is help. Yeah. We hate it. Yeah. Like we, we hate that idea. It's like, mm. it's, you see it so often in kind of like, it's like a trope in things where people are like, oh, we're doing this project together. And then there's this massive opportunity, which is coming along. And they're mm. like, oh, but do I take that opportunity? Yeah. yeah. like, why wouldn't you take that opportunity? Yeah. Like from the outside perspective, you're like you've worked all your life, and now someone's offering to help you 
and guide like you, boost you and yeah, boost yeah, you yeah. and you're going to say no yeah i struggled <laughs> a long time with that decision like yeah. months um and literally there's a podcast uh it's my my non-fiction podcast story studio um actually the author who we've got doing the halloween episode when we interviewed him He's, he's got a really smooth Irish voice and he's been in the business for a while. Mm. And he basically gave me therapy in that episode because we kind of got somehow onto the conversation of me yeah. and the whole, do I focus on my stuff or do I take this for a little while yep. and then come back around to it? Um, and it was genuinely a really hard decision to make because, like you say, you want to just do your thing. Yeah. But then obviously with stuff like this, it's like, this makes sense and this would be a stupid thing to pass up. <laughs> it's angry burnt. cafeteria yeah <laughs> um yeah it would be an, a stupid opportunity to pass up pass up and i'm so yeah. glad i didn't yeah but there was that moment at one point where i was just like i'm just not going to do it because i want it to be me i want yeah. it to come from me and it's like you I just have to be a bit humble i think sometimes too. i've discussed this like multiple times on podcasts if i have that i have that fighting feeling with myself where i feel like i'm selling out like even with my own projects like the, like the calendar hmm. so i'm like right i'm going to illustrate a calendar that seems like selling out. I'm making a product. Like gonna, <laughs> gonna, and I want people to buy this product. But you've always been a lot more of like the raw starving artist. But that's the, I feel like that's a problem. Yeah, like yeah. For success down the line and kind of getting recognition. Like mm. that's just a barrier to overcome. So yeah, it's like the calendar. So I You'll feel be like recognized like I had 80 to go years after you way. die. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal. Maybe I could die young and get recognized early. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I made it past 27. And yeah. that's, that's, that was a, a big hurdle. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know I'm about 27. it. I'm 27. I'm worried now. <laughs> well, there's, that, that, there's that myth, isn't there? This is the 27 myth where all artists die at 27. Well, good artists. Shit, I've got like five months. <laughs> well, this was the thing. Like, no one, I didn't know about it. And then I think I was, I was 26 and I must have been chatting to a friend and they were like, oh, you know, birthday soon. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're 27. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, you'll die next year. And I was like, what? Wow. What's, what? And it's because like, it's like um, he's like Amy Winehouse died at twenty-seven, mm. and oh, Kurt Cobain Jesus. died at twenty-seven. Like, there's this whole like stack of like important artists who all died at twenty-seven or took yeah. their own lives at twenty-seven. So it was like that thing of you do feel better coming past twenty-seven because you're like, well, clearly I'm not a real artist because I didn't commit suicide <laughs> when I was twenty-seven. <laughs> but then a lot of artists become yeah, artists at become, yeah. So you look at me, you That's go, a weird middle, yeah. Bit. It's like you either make it at 27 or you wait till you're 50. Yeah. I'm a patient person. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends who you measure yourself against again. Yeah. Ooh, like, I know what we wanted to get your opinion on. Have you seen the recent Banksy thing? Which one? Where he shredded his artwork. You know hers? No. Okay, so recently there was a Sotheby's auction where they were auctioning off a piece of Banksy work. Okay. Framed portrait well not portrait it was like little girl and balloon hope oh, yeah, i yeah, believe yeah. it's the piece and as soon as the auction ended and the gavel had gone down it automatically shredded itself like an alarm went off and the frame in the frame it just started to drop through the frame that's amazing shredded itself dude is a like genius like halfway through the shred shredding itself and obviously the art world was like in furore about this <laughs> and I was like so I was sat there first off I was pissed off because I was like he's stolen my idea <laughs> because self-destructing of art well like I've, I've been working on a project or just on the side for, like called Bonfire mm. where I essentially burn my own artwork 
so I spent months working on a piece of artwork with and then very I burned different it. artists and I was just like <laughs> that's that's like if I was like oh, that's there and I was like fucking Banksy's done it and then um, yeah so there's this whole thing of like people have gone oh well it's, it's worth more now because <laughs> because it's now like it had its original meaning and now it's got this extra concept which is just like dropped on top of it like oh yeah and by the way people automatically it. start bidding again yeah. say. and it's, it's like so the guy who won it has won it in its condition and it's worth more than he paid for it because it's now it's now another piece of artwork and I was just like so then, but then there's another thing which is on top of that so some genius online thinks it didn't shred itself on the day. So essentially, Banksy released a video, which was after this had all happened, of him showing him putting like the razor blades in the frame and how he'd set it up and been like, I put this in the frame. This was all intended to happen on the day, blah, 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 blah. And then setting off. And someone was like, nah, I mean, that didn't happen. Essentially, he thinks it's a magician's trick where the picture is pre-shredded, but you can't tell whilst it's in the frame. And then all it did was roll through. So it looks like it's been shredded, but it hasn't actually been shredded. So he didn't actually destroy his own artwork so because it was pre-cut. So it was the original artwork was already destroyed or damaged, and it just rolled out of the frame. And I'm like, that's that's another layer on top of that. Because then essentially, if it, that's the truth, then he played a prank on the art world as well as just that feels selling more Banksy. Work. Yeah, that feels more Banksy to me. Yeah. Like than just destroying it. I'd, I'd, but then at the same time, like then that's kind of cowardly. If you're not yeah. willing just to let it fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I've never understood paying lots and lots of money for that kind of stuff. No, I don't get it. I don't get perceived value of things over. In a way, that's why I kind of like the idea of destroying my own work. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with someone paying a lot for my work. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd like I'd happily have my work in a museum and have people go appreciate it but the idea of someone going oh yeah I'll pay you millions for one painting and I'd be like what I'd love to I'd be like, in your mind here have my painting I'll take your millions and uh I'll just remake that painting <laughs> and then just give it away <laughs> because fuck it Fair. there can be two of them yeah yeah my mind's a yeah. mess I shouldn't have money <laughs> I don't think you ever will. I'm incredibly good with money, though. Yeah, like shockingly good with money. Yeah, but yeah, in terms I'm of my not. my own work and appreciation of for art and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's a clusterfuck. Yeah, now I've, I find it kind of um, like I don't know what it is that draws, obviously, people who don't have the skills to put that much value into certain pieces of art. I'm not mm. saying like certain bits of art aren't creatively more rewarding or in some cases better than others but just never I can understand it from a point of view of when the artist is dead so like so like old paintings like they're heavily valued mm. and I can understand more that more for a historical from, legacy well yeah because it's like the person who made it is no longer alive therefore you can't recreate that exact painting mm. because their idea has died with them their skills have died with them as much as you want to recreate it it's not your idea it's just an imitation Mm. essentially from that point which is what I always find interesting about like the Mona Lisa because it's like five copies of it which were all by the same artist Mm. and but only one of them's in the Louvre (laughs) you're like so what makes the other ones less that's good it's because they're practice ones (laughs) it's like right okay 
you know, surely that's they should just be displayed together. That makes yeah. that would make so much more sense. That have a lot more impact as well. Yeah. So I can understand it from that point, but yeah, like modern art and the idea of buying it for mm. a ridiculous price, unless it's like costs them to make it. Mm. Like is, is, is Damien Hurst's Crystal Skull, which he did, which is like covered in diamonds. Yeah, like that or, makes sense. It's covered the, in diamonds. Or um, <laughs> the elephant's painting. Yeah, something which is you know, yeah, significant. Yeah, like pickling a shark. That costs. <laughs> There's a lot of time and effort has gone yeah, into yeah. that. You have to you have to reimburse them for what yeah. they put into it. You've got to at least get paid. Mm. Hours that kind of that kind of rule. But the mm. idea that yeah, if you're just taking it from conceptual value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I sold some work last week, so I had some illustrations. Is that in. what that pile of ashes is on the floor? Yeah. <laughs> That's me shipping it. <laughs> That's fucking work. Anyway, um, I had an exhibition. I was part of an exhibition which was about mental health in London. Nice. Uh, a friend of mine was putting on like the first curator thing, mm. so I submitted some work, sold two pieces in that, and it's it's been a hard idea to kind of get through that like someone wanted to pay money for my my work, and I appreciate it, like fully. Mm. And it's, yeah, they were paintings, they were watercolors. I was like, yeah, so it took time, effort, resources. Yeah, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Because that was the question they asked, like, how do you price your work? Like, how do you price a book? I mean, I... Like, do you sit there and go, well, I put more time into this one, so it's worth more? Oh, no. Or can you just, do you have to just go, oh, that's got to be a tenner? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are formulas and stuff in place now. There's kind of, yeah, there are systems, there are expectations. That's what disturbs it's... me about writing. Yeah, I mean... If you actually look at the amount of hours that were put into the first book, well, even any of the books, to be honest, um, it, it doesn't reimburse itself with no. with the income. I mean, the income's nice, but it's not like it's not worth or balances out against what a traditional job would be if you did just like an hourly rate for that yeah. amount of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, with with books, there's a formula for the length of the book, kind of the expectation of the size yeah. and. You can play around with it a bit, and I think that's the trap that people do fall into, particularly like, and I get it because I did similarly, but when um, people self publish or start doing it first time, they'll price like a 50 page book at 9.99, and realistically, no one's going to pay that. Yeah. Like, in, if you're going for like, um, you, if you're going for like <laughs> the commercial world, yeah. because you can get like a Harry Potter book for. Five ninety nine, and you know that's like vetted and yeah. thousands of people Approved have enjoyed that. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think um, the price structure—you really have to like earn your pedigree with the writing, which I guess I kind of like in a way because it gives you something more to aspire to rather than just here's my book, pay a tenner. Yeah, it's like as you progress and you build your fan base, and people are more loyal to you, you then can up your prices a bit because. People yeah. want to read it more because they know it's you. So it's almost, yeah. It's like a seal of approval. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a quality guarantee. You mm. pay £2 extra per book. Yeah. And you know it's going to be. It's like Stephen King's, like, just. See, then that's the thing with Stephen King. Like, I imagine he can write his in like a, a day. Yeah. And then it'd still be the same price as one he took three months to write, which I don't think it's ever taken Stephen King's. Yeah, everything to write, he but. touches tends to go. I think he's just at a point now where. His reputation precedes him. It doesn't matter what he writes. People will see the... Yeah. like Because even if he wrote his worst novel now, <coughs> what people do you think will still read it because it's Stephen fucking King. Have you read a lot of Stephen King? A fair bit, yeah, yeah, in the last couple of years. What do you think the worst one he's written that you've read? 
Because mm. this, this is a problem I have with Stephen King, because he's got so much. Getting a grasp on what, like, his range yeah, is yeah. hard. So mm. I'm always interested in what people think is, like, good and bad from Stephen King. I mean, generally, if you go into a Stephen King book, it's more to get lost in a world. Mm. Um, the actual story arc and kind of like how you follow um, or how the majority of people follow a story the ends always fall a bit short for yeah. me anyway um, not in all of them so like things like Cujo I absolutely loved Pet Cemetery was fantastic um, one that I actually didn't enjoy too much was part of his Dark Tower series and it was book four which is Wizard and Glass hmm. um, which have you read any of the Dark Tower series? No I've, see this is the thing about Dark Tower it's like one which was suggested to me hmm. and then I was I've really hyped to see the series they were making and then people were like yeah that's crap I was like, yeah. Well, it's, it became a film in the end, didn't it? It was literally just, yeah, yeah. So it was meant to be a series, right. and then they kind of pulled loads of the budgets back and just went, "I oh, will just make it a film." Because the film apparently it was meant to, because the Dark Tower itself, it's all crossing worlds and different yeah, yeah, realms. Yeah. It was meant to be like the films just start to like spin offs in comics, spin offs in magazines, spin offs in TV shows, and like that was all meant to tie in together, which yep. would have been cool. But yeah, they just pulled down. Went, let's just compress seven books into an hour and a half film. Um, but no, the so like the first book in that like I love um, yeah. is brilliant the second book is um, it's well written but it kind of goes against so the first book is basically a gunslinger running across essentially what is like a western scene chasing the man in black but there's right. all sort of like mutants and there's nods at like other dimensions and things okay and then the th- second book is uh, called The Drawing of the Three and he's basically on a beach and he keeps coming to doors and the doors open up into like different time periods in New York in which he meets the characters that then take him on to the rest of the journey and it's all like prophesied and okay. bound right. together. Yeah. But that one for me just really dragged on because I just wanted yeah. to see more of like the Western scene. It got very, very heavy in yeah. the politics. At one point, it, it goes from being this sort of fantasy realm of um, what they call Midworld yeah. and him and his journey to the Dark Tower. And then there's sort of like 200, 300 pages on this guy's coke deal and his brother in 1950s New York and he just, just go, slides that in like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a... get back to the good stuff um, but I mean particularly that's that's his experiment book he can take liberties it's, yeah. that's his that's his bit of art that's his outlet yeah I don't know if I've read anything um, particularly bad I'm trying to think what I have read I haven't read that many I've read Shining mm. Misery not yet I got to Misery Misery's good it is good. It is just very long. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's far too much. I saw the film, like the new one, mm. and I was. What did you think? I liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. I I like the original, mm. and I thought this did well. Like it, it it's its own thing. Yeah, I was like, I kind of watched you it. Like, Skarsgård. There's no. I love him. Yeah, it's like this. This is the thing. Like I watched it. And I was like, there's no comparison. No, between the two, it's a very different media. It's, it's a very different telling of its yeah. time, and it's like. This is very now. This is very horror nowadays. It is, in a way, it's better than horror nowadays because the horror nowadays has that trap of what The Ring started, mm. which was like, oh, well, we're going to hide the monster from you for like eighty percent of the film, and like this goes in, and it's like boom, here he is, ten seconds in, that's yeah. it. You're like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> there's no hiding this. I know yeah. it's coming, and now I'm just going to wait for it for the entire film. Yeah. It's very because um, I've, I've watched it a couple of times now. Yeah. It's very. Um, just horror pockets almost it's like here's a horror thing here's a horror thing here's a horror thing and then like a narrative loosely wound between it yeah um 
but I think it, it, it works. I, interestingly, I went to see that on a date. Nice. I it was so it was a Tinder date. Nice. Is and that we, so they would hug you in fright? Well, no. We like we were, we couldn't decide <laughs> what we wanted to do, <laughs> and hands. then we were like, oh, we'll we'll go see a film. You know, that's a classic. That's a classic date trip. Go go see a film. I have feelings, but yeah. go on. It's like <laughs> it's like it's, it's a it's a bad one because it's like, cool, you're going to go on a date. You want to get to know a person. Go sit in a dark room for an hour. Where you yeah. don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we went to see it, and then she like she got really scared, but not at it. Only that it was the bit with the guy who's like got no limbs, like in the oh, library. The yeah, the leopard yeah. like thing. Yeah, yeah. that freaked her out like for the entire film. Really, and I was just like, I was like trying to be kind of supportive, but for a person you don't know that well and you're on a, 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 like, a date with, yeah, and it kind of triggered her. I was like, all right, so I don't really know what to do in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, I'm just going to sit here and be like, if you're okay, I'm good, and we're yeah. just going to sit and watch this. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Yeah. But no, it's um, yeah, it's a good film. I mean, yeah. like I say, I've kind of I've never finished the book. No, um, no, it was actually. Is it that long? <laughs> uh, it's like twelve hundred pages. But then I bought, I, I got the audio book, and it was one of the first audio books that I tried to listen to, not realizing the audio book was forty six hours. Damn. So th- it wasn't so much a story that got put me off after all; it was the narrator's voice. Um, see, that's why I can't do audio books. Ah, uh, see, I'm I'm on them now back into them You're back into them since I discovered you can speed up playback oh really yeah because okay. oh my god when you actually listen to professionally put together audiobooks they read it so slow I feel like the only audiobooks I'd enjoy are ones where like it's first person narrator mm. narrator tell you what it's a good audiobook um, Andy Weir's The Martian yeah because that's not so much first person but it's obviously a lot more like in his head process driven around yeah. you've seen the film no, I haven't. Uh, it's a lot like about him and the actual specifics of him trying to survive and like the science behind it. Okay, it's very like science heavy, but because like, I've got a thing for films with monologues, mm. like that's just a big thing for me. So like my favorite film, Spy Club, nice, like all time. One of my favorite films is Spy Club, and it's like yeah, because most of it's monologue. Yeah, 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 it's like American Psycho. Most of it's monologue. Mm. It's like there's just something about them, yeah, and yeah. they kind of draw you in as that character. And you kind of start to feel as that character. You feel that in the audio, but yeah, it's very like um, I'd, I'd want that for an audio, but I couldn't just listen to someone tell me a story. Yeah, no, I'd go for that one. Yeah. That was, I think, that was the one that actually got me like, I wouldn't say hooked on them, but I see the value in them a lot more now. Hooked on audio, yeah, because I cycle to work a lot, right? Um, and where I live, it's like twenty minutes into town, twenty minutes back. So I used to read on the bus, and I started missing out on stories. So I just okay. now get like audio books and just listen to those. And that makes sense. Mm. It takes it definitely takes a bit of getting used to. Yeah, I can get why people wouldn't listen to audiobooks, but particularly when I can get home because I actually I'll have the novel. I won't audiobook unless I've already got the novel. <laughs> That's real specific. <laughs> I know. And then I'll I'll go home and be like, oh, open it up. I've listened to this many pages and just like <laughs> flick a chunk of um, pages over. So yeah, I do think if like if you buy a book nowadays, you should get audiobook for free. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, like that should just be a standard. Just be like a code thing. or something inside. Just yeah. like. Like, not even just for, like, for ease of listening. That would help, like, a lot of disabled communities. Just, like, yeah, yeah. buy the book, give free, give the book to a friend. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what they're worried about. Yeah. <laughs> buy, buy the book twice. It's like, but people do it anyway. Oh, I like, hey, I'm not going to rip the audio file and just send that to a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally not going to do that. Never, <laughs> Never do that. Yeah. Never take a book and just photocopied it. Never do that. Yeah, yeah. Do you listen to many podcasts? Because obviously you do this one. No. This right. is this is the the crux of the matter. This is again like I, I, 
you decided did, the production before I started. Mm. Before I started doing podcasts, I I decided that I should probably listen to some podcasts. So I listened to Harmontown. I listened to Mark Maron's mm. podcasts, and I was like, "Cool, know what I want to do." And then I just stopped. Yeah, yeah. And I I honestly feel guilty about it. Like it's because it's, to me, it's like I'm asking people to spend an hour at a time, mm. often. And sit and listen to two people talking. And yet I cannot sit and listen to a podcast unless it's like truly engaging me or like the, the subject engages me or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the problem. I've, I struggle to find podcasts which have such a variation that I'd want to go back and listen again and again and again. Because it's like, you see, there's so many, like, there's nothing wrong with like having a themed podcast, but this is my problem with YouTube. Hmm. So, like, YouTube at the minute, you go on it. And the things you subscribe to, they do one thing. So it's like you got a recipes channel, you got like a health channel, mm. you got like a how to channel. And I'm like, that's cool. On YouTube, I can just go in and I get a mix of everything which is going on and I can just pick and choose. Yeah. Whereas like podcasts, I'm like, I've got to explore it to find out. I've it's got hard to, to actually listen explore to them. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, if every single one is the same kind of subject or the same like realm unless mm. i'm like researching something yeah, yeah, yeah. want to know everything about it i just don't care i Makes want sense. i want some like i want some variation yeah, yeah. Why, like that's why i like mike maron's because he was just interviewing guests yeah, yeah. Like, i think um you'd like tim ferris the tim ferris show yeah you ever heard of him i've heard of him but i don't, yeah. know, I don't know what it's about he's um it's hard to explain what he actually does but he's basically an entrepreneur slash just massively successful person he just his his whole podcast now he just speaks to the most successful people in the world and just interviews them about stuff and it's not success in just like your traditional celebrity success he'll bring yeah. in he'll bring in people who are actors sports legends then he'll bring in like just top scientists from their field and the variety of conversations and stuff sometimes yeah. listening to that you can get some really interesting stuff out of that see that so, like, sounds interesting well his latest one he's speaking to a fungus expert who's like the world's leading expert on sort of like not just fungus or fungi, but yeah. sort of like psychedelics as well, and actually experiences of. And then the next week, we'll be speaking to like Maria Sharapova about a backswing. That's what I need. I yeah. do need that. I need that variation. This, this is this is the same with like projects. I need that variation. Okay? Yeah. I can just do one project. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of why I keep him on because they're also like two hour conversations and they yeah. go like everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So he kind of tries to pick out um, common themes that make people successful, but then also lets them wander into like just yeah. quirky bits. It's, yeah, I, yeah, it's good. I mean, that's essentially the formula we have here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let people talk about whatever they want to talk about. Psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I mean, I guess with my um, podcast listening, because I'm massively interested in like the writing community and trying to keep in touch with um, people that I've sort of met or been in touch with who now run podcasts. Yeah. I kind of listen to a lot of theirs and try and get like the crossover of news and try and keep up to date with like relevant stuff. So mine's a lot more specific yeah um i can get why you'd want yeah that variety i mean i I think this is i mean i'm gonna give give the game away in a way so next year the plan for the podcast is changing exclusive i know right so this this is actually this is the last guest podcast of the year oh right you're the last person for the year and it was like right what am i gonna do next year because like this year the end of this year has been such a hassle with work essentially Mm. and i've had to forego doing a lot of things this year just because of work and it's been like one of those points of like right next year should be all out mm. like i've got my job but yeah the rest of it should be all out. i should 
I should do that thing where I try and die from doing art, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Um, so I'm like, cool, I got well, got the list of what I need to do. It's like I got the got the potato boy book, which I want to get out. I'll be doing another calendar at some point. I want to get my bonfire project off the off the ground and yeah. burn something. You know, <laughs> make Banksy look like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, you know, I've got like a whole list of things and I was like, right, so what are we doing with podcasts? Because getting a guest on the podcast is is the main challenge. It is me. hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Getting is like a consistent guest, even mm-hmm. though it's like once every two weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. I was like, so Yelling at Hookery podcast, as it stands, will continue. Mm-hmm. But guests may not be as consistent. It might be like once a month, mm-hmm. have a guest. But I'm going to try and launch a second podcast Ooh. alongside it. Which okay. again will be like once a month, maybe once every two months. So whispering at grass, which is <laughs> is yelling at creatives. Okay, because essentially, like what as you're saying, like you you need something to research or be interested in, hmm. and then that kind of thing. And I don't think, from my experience, that there is a a concept podcast, like an art, creative, just just creative hmm. podcast, which basically just explores art okay. as like a theme. Yeah, essentially, yeah. because everyone you get is like, "Oh, this is art history." Yeah, yeah, this is an interview with this artist, and this is you know, this is art history, and we're going to discuss this, and we're going to discuss yeah, your process. Yeah, like, it'd be so. Where's the one which is just like, "This is why people create," mm. like, "This is why people do what they do," and this is how these themes kind of come up and explore this. Mm. And like, like we saying, like the book we were discussing earlier um, about, uh, like, I've read a recent one which is called "Touched by Fire," which is basically about artists and how they are predisposed to being bipolar okay and schizophrenic and that's why most big artists like van gogh and all that had huge mental health problems but that's what made them good artists mm. and it's like i like that i want to i want to i want to delve down deeper into the rabbit hole of creativeness fair and yeah, try and bring that to next year yeah, yeah. so i think it's part of that's just being out of touch with the norm in yeah. order to actually create things that i am um, I think it was actually on the Tim Ferriss podcast the other day that uh, one of the guests, I'm going to butcher this completely, um, was basically saying that there are two types of people. There are those that are predisposed to just going along with the flow and they're the people like, I know lots of people from back home who hopefully won't hear this podcast, um, (laughs) who are are very like, they're just happy where they are. They just get on, they just roll with it. They're they're more um, focused on inclusion and just being accepted and then there are those who for whatever reasons and this this person argues normally they have like a tragic backstory but for whatever reason there are people that have been through events that have forced them outside of that and they're at a point where they don't care so much about that and they just want to explore outwardly yeah um which i kind of i've not thought about massively but i can kind of see the validity in the two points yeah i mean like that's something so as a teenager um, and I, I don't care if my family hear it. So as a teenager, <laughs> um, I looked at like my cousins and my aunts and uncles, mm. who, as you suggested, like they people are very happy to go with the flow. Mm. They had regular jobs. They did all the things which you you do as an adult. Mm. You know, got married, buy a house, have kids, get yeah, yeah. married, got themselves into that cycle, and they're happy to do that. You know, work at some supermarket somewhere, have an office job, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I looked at that as a teenager and was like. I want to do everything I can not to, to not be that, that yeah. because I don't understand how someone can be happy or fulfilled doing that. But again, that goes back to me wanting to suffer to be able to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's comfortable. That's nice. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's a, a goal to attend to. A lot of people choose to do it just because they have to, like they have kids or something. And they go, well, I need a job. 
because mm. I need money to have kids and blah, 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 and that's what they want to do. And I'm like, I can't understand that in yeah. my head. So I like looked at that and went, no, fuck that. Mm. I want, I've, you know, I understand the system, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to be in that system yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way. But yeah, the other side was like, yeah, you look at people who've gone through like tough times mm. and been forced out of experience something which has kind of pushed them out. And I think they can go two ways. Of like, they either go, they I want back. complete yeah. safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just go, yeah, as you say. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go wander. The, yeah. The I mean, there's there's no right way either. It's just no. like, yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of the same. I don't, I mean, I was, I guess, forced. Um, my parents moved from basically where I'd lived for 16 years mm. to somewhere else. And then two years later, I moved to a different city um, to come to Lincoln. And in that transition, there's very much a case of my home base isn't there anymore. Yeah. But my brother, after he moved, kind of sprung straight back and he sees a lot of his friends still. And um, I wouldn't say he's like directly down that road of uh, yeah. worrying about too much about inclusion and stuff. But I, yeah, I see some friends who are like literally still best friends with the people. Like, it's just a cluster of like five or six people who've been best friends since way <coughs> back yeah. before school. And I just think. I don't know if it's because I've never really had that because of where I've moved around or um, whatever the factors are, but I've never wanted that. No, it kind of terrifies me though. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't know, like it makes me uncomfortable. Attitude. Like, yeah. I think the more you see, the more you hunger for. Yeah, I could see that. And yeah, I think particularly now, like I, I, I want to see more of England. I know that I'm not going to settle in Lincoln. Yeah. Forever. Um, but yeah, I think there's that once you start kind of going places you're like okay what else is there yeah and it, it, it takes something special to stick yeah. you somewhere i think that's in a way like <clears throat> that can kind of it can be counterproductive in a way because you can get to very much that point of where you don't want to sell anywhere because you you're worried you'll miss yeah, something. yeah. and I, I mean that's the thing like now obviously turning 30 is like you there's so many people who are desperate to settle by 30 mm. who are like, no, I should have everything. I should have life, family, wife, oh, perhaps, all that. You know, <laughs> I should be I'm completely settled. on that myth. Whereas like, I'm sat there going, oh, I don't really want to settle till I'm like 60. Mm. Cause then at that point I'm like, well, all right, well I've resigned yeah, from yeah. exploring kind yeah, of yeah. thing. And, but then that could be destructive. Mm. Cause like, if I met someone or I found something which was going to be permanent and required me to kind of stay put, yeah, my yeah. brain would be going, no, <laughs> run away, Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't take this security. <laughs> I don't like. I I feel like I don't know if it's a symptom of getting older and kind of just my own circumstances as well. Yeah. But it just the older I get, the more and more I push away from ever that belief. Because I I remember being younger until I was probably about fourteen or fifteen. I was very much of the whole. I want to get married young. I want mm-hmm. to have kids young. I want to live that life. And I don't know if it was a move that shook it from that or what, but. Yeah. Um, it probably was uh, a big chunk of that, but also I think uh, experiences with relationships and obviously they're not panning out as you planned because that's just part of life. Yep. But like, I, I get so cynical now. I'll see like uh, 14, 15 year old couples walking around and just be like, that won't last. <laughs> You're all lovey-dovey now. That's, you think that's forever? It probably won't. Let's be honest. What are the odds? Because we can actually work them out. I mean, it make, it's thoughts like that which make me feel like an incredibly grumpy old man mm. because even now like I see people in their 20s and like yeah, obviously yeah. I was in a long term relationship for 5 years mm. we've known each other 8 years and then it just ended yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like looking at people in their 20s who are with their significant others and they've been it there it might never happen but it could it could it could and it's like 
I'm kind of sat there and like at some point I kind of want to just have that conversation with both of you and be like <laughs> you're aware this can happen right yeah like yeah. because it's like it's not that I want to stop it and I want to will people on and go yeah, yeah you know you're great together go be great together mm. go out into the world but just be aware that it can happen yeah, yeah. so if it does you're not completely destroyed by it yeah yeah. like have that reality check in your head Mm. in a way no one teaches that (laughs) (laughs) no because we shouldn't in a way we should teach people to be positive right you should the thing is there is something sweet in it like you do kind of think if you had the opportunity to blissfully just go ahead in that mentality again and not be aware of there is something beautiful about it yeah yeah. watching it from the outside you're going yeah do you pass that bubble uh Let's let it ride. It's, it's not your bubble to burst, is it? Let's let it ride, and when they fall, we'll help them back up. Yeah, that was really sweet. <laughs> That's probably the better way to look at it. I enjoyed that. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I've seen close friend couples who have cheated on each other and got back together. I've seen some that have cheated on each other and haven't. Yeah. I've seen my auntie get married three times, and my granddad roll his eyes as he's walking her down the aisle for the third time. Damn. I promise to love you till death do us part. <laughs> oh, again. <laughs> And it's, that, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, why are you putting yourself through that? Yeah. There's like there's a, there's an expected fakeness around relationships that I yeah. don't like. Like I, what I really really like, and I guess because um, I won't discuss my status and stuff at the minute, but broadly speaking, I think um, what I like seeing most in relationships are those ones where you look at it and they do just do things differently. Yeah. And they don't give a fuck. And it's like, you see whether, because I know there's a lot of talk at the minute about like um, polyamorous relationships and different makeups and how people get yeah. along. And again, I could speak for hours about that stuff because that stuff's fascinated me yeah. over the last like couple of years. Just like, it's impossible not to be fascinated by yeah, it. It's, yeah. like, it's like all the information's just suddenly there and you're yeah, like, oh yeah. shit, i got to read about this. Like, nah. I <laughs> actually like, bought a couple of books just about, yeah. not to like, not directly to influence myself but just to expand expand it it just genuinely interests me like i think i get as the years go by i get more and more into like human makeup and the idea of sex and relationships and and gender and stuff and um but yeah i think as time goes by they're the relationships i kind of respect more yeah it's the people who can and this is kind of pulled out of a book that i did read um mating in captivity by esther perel it's fantastic um uh, there was a part in that that was basically um, kind of struck a nerve with me which was like you see people who've been in relationships since say go back to this 14 year old yep. couple and they say they've been together for 30 years if one of them is tired at a Christmas party is drunk something happens you cheat on your partner nine times out of ten in modern society that's the end of a relationship that infidelity has cost you yep. that but if you actually stop pause breathe take out emotions is that one act of say it is something that they really regret is that yep. one act of regret worth breaking off 30 years of trust yeah if they stole something <clears throat> from your purse yeah that's not severe enough so why is that act different to that which one. is a carnal biological desire why yeah. would that yeah that's interesting mm. yeah i do like as you say it's like in a way it's like you can look at relationships and the ones which are nice to see are the imperfect ones yeah like, you know, nobody, wants, know nobody wants to see the ones which are arguing all the time. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, cool, we're going out with these people. Or what are they going to do? I don't know. They're just going to bitch at each other for yeah, the entire yeah. thing. Like, nobody wants to that because that's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's like the ones where it's like, yeah, someone fucked up at one point in this relationship mm. and they worked through it because they talked about it. Mm. You know, it's like, again, it's like that movie trip with something happens in a film, they get divorced. 
Yeah. And it's like, well, no, because the reality is there's, there's more at stake mm. than just a marriage. There's, yeah. You know, houses and people and whole backstories which are not being told. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take that to account. Yeah. In a way. But yeah, I think I think it's, it's in as with anything like creation or or relationships, you got to keep yourself open to it mm. and learning about it and be willing to talk about. It. Yeah, I think you get stale very yeah. easily and particularly um it's easy just to find because when people get together you spend a lot of time learning a lot about each other and then mm. there comes a point where you just stop and it's like i know you i know yeah. everything about you and it, it there's something in and i'm I'm not professing to be any expert or it's just generally my opinion but there's something in being able to separate yourself enough still so that you can still have that mystery about you yeah because the minute you think you know someone, it's the minute you lose interest. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point to end on, which is <laughs> comes around. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been wonderful to talk to you again, Dan. No, pleasure to come back. And you'll be. I imagine I'll get you back again next year, at some point. Yeah, whenever. Definitely. We'll have to get you on the on the the more the arty one. Yeah, yelling at creatives. And, uh, and, and get figure out why what's broken about you. <laughs> oh, let's not let's not follow that thread. <laughs> I mean, as we've said, we we're very we we're very different creatively. Mm. I think we have a lot of the same capacities, mm. in like how we work and our yeah, mentality yeah. with work, but we create very differently. Just the outputs, I yeah. guess, and what yeah. we I find that want to achieve. Yeah, no, we'll definitely get you back. Yeah, thank Come you, Batman. And uh, we'll obviously, plug your podcast in the in the descriptions and whatnot, Bro. and Hawk and Cleaver and your new books and all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Cool. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys later.